Go ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for being such a great God. You are the most holy anywhere in the universe. Just thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this group of men who get together every Friday. Every day, really. Just study your word. Just, Lord, bring us. Uh, we hope that we can order our food this morning and just bless our food and make it nourish our body. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to go out in the world and speak our minds. Um, I got one extra copy of notes here. You need a copy? I'll claim it. Yeah. <laughs> the right one. Yeah. There were two uh, on there. Yeah, there was yeah. one from last week. I sent you last week. Yeah, yeah that's last case. week and this one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're in James 3. Uh, there's a few verses here. It talks about two kinds of wisdom. What's the difference? But, yeah, we talk about a wise guy, don't we? He's a wise guy. It's not a compliment, is it? No. And then we, we talk about somebody who's very wise. We mean it as a compliment there. There are two kinds of wisdom. Uh, what does verse 13 say? Mike, do you have that? I can't get it. Don't take too long. I have it here. You got it. Okay, Larry. Who is a wise man and endured, endured with knowledge among you? Let him show out of it. A good conversation is worse with meekness of wisdom. Okay. Uh, who wants to be thought a fool? Or to be considered a wise guy? Uh, you know, my, my mother too used to smart say when, for it. My mother used to say when we were kids, you know, you can and say nothing and have people think you're a fool or you can open your mouth and prove it. Yeah. <laughs> open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So who, used to say that who, is wise? who is wise and knowledgeable? Who is? How do you tell who, who really is wise and knowledgeable? That's a question. And then he answers the question. It's a little bit like it's a rhetorical question because it's probably you know, pretty much common sense. If you're very wise, you will show it by your good life. Your good life, you'll yes. show it. Not so much by how you spout off, you know, not by how much you can talk. Talk a good talk. But you show it by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. This translation, the gentleness that comes from wisdom. The person who's truly wise is a person who's going to be gentle. Gentleness is, is the child of wisdom. Wisdom that comes from gentleness. 
Do you think of Do you think of yourself as a gentle person? It Would other people on the consider you gentle? I guess it depends on the context. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. How often do you hear a sermon on gentleness? <laughs> Well, I've never heard one. That's a sign that you're very, that you're wise, yeah. truly wise. Yeah. I find the older I get, the more gentle I've become. <laughs> when I was younger, I was a lot, yeah, a lot less gentle, I'd say. We, uh, we guys, you know, of course, we're full of testosterone, right? And uh, sometimes it, it gets out of control, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But, but uh, there's some women who are not very gentle. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is it, it is it is it easier to be a good Christian if you're a woman and you don't have a lot of testosterone? <laughs> Probably, I no. think estrogen's got its own problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think estrogen has its own problems. Yeah. yeah. No, I want to tell you a story about my father. Years and years, well, before I was born, before he ever got married, he was taking some kids. On, well, no, they weren't even kids. I think they were all going to a tournament. This, this friend of his came out and lying to an old family friend. Tell me the story after he died and how he's always known for being his nickname was Gentleman Jim in the tennis circles and they were all going to a tournament. He's taking some kids to a tournament, I guess. And he stopped by some place and to have lunch or something, have a tavern or something. And, and he's always just known for being very gentle, kind of person never fighting anybody or anything. What he's known for, and then he saw, and he was just after the war, and he saw this girl was being harassed by a man at this place. So he just walked up to him and cold cocked him. Bang! I guess sucker punched him or something. I never, I, you know, I didn't know whether to believe that story or not. Not my dad, you know, because he never, he exhibited any kind of anger like that. But he didn't try, I guess he didn't try to persuade him to quit bothering the girl. Well, he did. He did try to persuade him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He no, probably did yeah, persuade him. He, he probably yeah, did. Yeah. With there a one-liner. No, no fight. There was no fight. He had so good. Pers my dad is that. Oh, sounded like that was probably a pretty effective persuader. I think he was probably just right out of the army or something. They probably everybody learned to fight there. But of course, being gentle doesn't mean that you he, can't be firm. He was known as gentle. Yeah, that's true. Him, in fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that we we kind of uh, conflate that definition of gentle with soft. When we hear gentle, we think soft, but it's yeah. really, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus, you know, was not crucified uh, because he was he was too too gentle to uh, resist, he didn't resist because he was so strong. Right. 
It took a great deal of strength oh, yes. to restrain himself. He said, I have the power sure. to call down angels of angels. Yeah. Can you imagine the strength it took to restrain himself yeah. <laughs> when he had the power? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Okay, but what uh, uh, the signs of an arrogant fool, the sign of verses 14 through 16. Okay. Got it. Okay. Go ahead, David. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Ooh, strong verse. Okay. So, here is the but, you know. Uh, uh, the opposite of the gentleness born of wisdom. If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition, do not be arrogant and lie about the truth. In other words, this is a sign of arrogance. It's the opposite of true wisdom, gentleness. Envy and, uh, and, and ambition. Uh, he says, this is not wisdom. That is not the wisdom that comes from above. There, that is a kind of wisdom, he says. He says, that's, but that's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. He uses a very strong word there. It's interesting. It, it, he says it's, it's, just, it's not only earthly and unspiritual or uh, carnal coming from our fleshly nature, but it's demonic. It's devilish. That's of the devil. The devil's got a hold of you <laughs> when you are full of, of uh, envy. Just envy. Is a sign of the demonic. We don't. We used to think of envy as a kind of a that's a white collar sin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every, everybody's a little envious sometimes of other people. But uh, and of course, ambition. You know, we we really kind of admire ambition. I don't even know whether we would classify ambition. Self, even selfish ambition. I mean, you know, trying to get ahead just for my sake. We don't know. Whether, I don't know whether we'd even classify that as a white collar sin, would we? Is that a? Would, would most people consider that a sin? A sin? Probably self, not. A, a person who's trying to get ahead just to make himself rich. Depends on how far you go with it. Okay. So you could, how far could you go with it? Well, you could go as far as Alex Murdoch in yeah. North yeah. Carolina. Yeah, right. You go that far. That's about as far as you can go, I think. Yeah. Okay. What's the difference between jealousy and envy? Yeah. But he says, but there will also be, uh, you see, there is this kind of selfish ambition that stays within the law. Yeah. You, you can be, oh, you sure. can be, right? You could be uh, envious and full of selfish ambition and never break a law. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. But, of course, Alex heard on. But then in addition to that, he says, this kind of wisdom 
uh, he says, where that, where that happens, there will also be, this, this translation says, disorder and wickedness of every kind. Wickedness of every kind, including murder. Yeah, it says every kind, doesn't it? So that's what it leads to, doesn't it? It may stay within the law. Selfish ambition might be something that people even consider respectable. It not, might not be in the true wisdom in the sight of God just to look out for yourself. It wouldn't be considered a crime, certainly. But it's not true wisdom. And it can lead to this kind of wickedness of every kind. Oh, yeah, actually, I remember and jealousy. Yeah, there was actually, I remember someone said that jealousy is wanting what someone else has, but envy is hating the other person for having what you don't have. It's like a, it's like a level above. Yeah. Envy and, and probably covetousness are very closely related, aren't they? Yeah. Well, um, how do you know a, a wise man? Jesus, what did Jesus say? You'll know them how? By their fruits. Matthew 7, 16. Mm -hmm. That's how you know true wisdom. By their fruits. It's, it's by behavior. The kind of uh, disorder and wickedness that comes from uh, this arrogant kind of wisdom that doesn't come from above. But, and um, instead, the wisdom from above is, is what? Verse 17. All right, here you got that. Yeah, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Okay. He's got quite a few adjectives to describe the wisdom from above here, doesn't he? Um, he says that uh, uh, pure, not two-faced or hypocritical. That's what... Pure, pure just means that there's, you're one. You, you can, you are who you are. <laughs> it's not. You, know, you, can, you don't know who this person is. He's here, Jekyll or Hyde. But you're pure. Um, and then this says peaceable. Does your version have peaceable in it? Mm -hmm. Yes, peaceable. Yeah, that's a sign of wisdom. Peaceable um, and gentle. He mentions this word gentle again. And um, uh, there's a, another word here. It's translated in different ways. This version says willing to yield. Uh, kind of uh, flexible. I can compromise with you. I can yield. I, I don't have to get my way. I can go along with this. Yeah. 
there's some things, you know, that doesn't mean you go along with everything. <laughs> you don't cooperate with wickedness, but uh, it's the opposite of selfishness, isn't it? I could give here. I would prefer so-and-so, but I could give here. I don't need to get my way. <laughs> and um, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality. I, I treat everybody the same. We, we've already saw, we saw in uh, we studied last week before he warned you know about when a when a rich man comes into your church <laughs> and then a poor man how, uh, the way you might <coughs> uh, and that's a warning given all the way back in the law of Moses about being partial partiality partiality is a, is really a source of a lot of injustices so. Wisdom is uh, uh, does not have a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. There's a hypocrisy which is the opposite of pu purity. Well, uh, verse 18, while y'all are eating, I'll go ahead and read verse 8. The fruit, is, now the fruit of righteousness, he says, of justice, is sown in peace by those who make peace. So uh, this this is kind of uh, going on. I think he's really talking about wisdom uh, that brings forth the fruit of righteousness, which is sown in peace for those who make peace. So uh, the you're getting all these adjectives here: gentleness, uh, willing to yield, full of mercy. Uh, peaceable, someone who makes peace. Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Mm -hmm. I once had, uh, I think it was a pastor, distinguish between making peace and keeping peace. Because, you know, we're, like in our culture, we're often told to like keep the peace. But the Bible calls us to make the peace, which generally sometimes can cause conflict, especially if you're speaking truth in, a, in situations that... James has already told us back in chapter 1 that human right anger does not produce God's righteousness. God's righteousness is produced by peaceableness, gentleness, and peaceableness, not anger. I think that's really what he's getting at, is that kind of contrast, aggressiveness, anger, arrogance. I think we've got plenty. Everybody want coffee? No. Well, we uh, uh, chapter four. Then going on to chapter four, verses one through three. James talks about conflict and division. Um, 
but uh, thinking about wisdom. The book of Proverbs, there's a whole book, of course, that's kind of focused on wisdom, isn't it, in the Bible. Is is wisdom, is that an object of good education? What does it mean to educate a child? Is that that a goal? By the time your, your child graduates from high school, that at least they have have become a little more wise. Is is that something schools are are is that a part of their objectives? If you look at the objectives of their curriculum, will you see something like wisdom? I don't. I've never. I don't think that's part of their uh, the educational objectives, is it? Read almost the beginning of wisdom. They have the knowledge, but they don't know how to put it together to make good decisions. How are you going to use this wisdom? You can use it just for your selfish ambition to be arrogant. In other words, uh, a Christian, an education to be educated means that you learn to be gentle and peaceable. Mm-hmm. That's what it, uh, in, the, in the biblical sense, to really be educated, and, and he even uses the word knowledge up in verse 1 of chapter, verse 1 there, uh, not verse 1, verse 13, who is wise and knowledgeable. He connects these two things. Then show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. <clears throat> so uh, you're, you're not really a well-educated person unless you've learned to be gentle, peaceable, without selfish ambition. And then chapter 4 he uh, talks about conflict the, specifically. Where, how does conflict and division arise? What's going on? What causes division in a church? What causes conflict in a... Or what, what causes divorce? Division in the church would be as simple as the color of the carpet. Is what? The color of the carpet. Oh, yeah. That's the cause of division. People will fight. Curtains. Rich Rich told a sermon about when he put the curtains up to block out the light on the top part of the main, that uh, some people left the church over it. Well, in verse 4, chapter chapter 4, verse 1, where does he say? Chapter 4, verse 1, where do we? Desires for pleasure. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from, James asked. Where do they come from? And then he says, then he's got a, he's, he proposes an answer. What's the answer he proposes? Do they not come from what? My translation says cravings. What does your translation Lust. say? 
lusts. Mine says desires. Desires, lusts, cravings. They come from the internal that he says that are at war within you. These lusts or ambitions or cravings um, that are springing up within your heart, that's the source of conflict and division. It's not, it's not the color of the carpet. It's not even the interpretation of Scripture. What does the Apostle Paul say in 1 Corinthians 3, 3? As long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not fleshly, carnal, and behaving according to human inclinations? The carnal, fleshly, sinful carnality refers to the sin nature within us. Quarreling and, the, and jealousy, he says, and, and James is really saying the same thing. These conflicts and disputes, they come from your sin nature. The nature that does not want to submit to God. That's the sort. That's why people get divorced. It's because of their sin nature. Your egos. Yep. How often is it, people say, "Well, that's what led to divorce." <laughs> There's always some other cause of divorces <laughs> to come up with. You know, like we just grew apart, or we were always fighting. Well, why were you always fighting? Because of your sin nature. Well, and it is true, you know, uh, there is abuse. A man who's beating his wife, of course, that obviously is coming from his sin nature, isn't it? It doesn't mean that a wife should sit, stand there and stay home and let herself be abused. I was watching a crime show the other night where this guy had been abusive of his wife, and she, she finally divorced him, and he didn't want to be divorced. And then later on, he got a gun and he went and shot two of the paralegals and the, that really had nothing to do with the divorce except they worked for in the law office that led to the divorce. Shot two of them, uh, went and, and shot somebody in the. Good morning. Good to see you. Shot somebody in the, the office of the therapist where she had, where her son had been getting some counseling because of the abuse. He uh, really went off the rails. Uh, verse 2. So, he says, uh, talking about uh, this conflict and division. Who's got that? Okay. You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Okay. Um, you have these cravings and desires and these lusts. You want something and you don't have it. So what do you do? You commit murder. 
that's, that's, that's what it leads to ultimately. Um, and maybe if it doesn't lead to literal murder, it leads to the kind of things that Jesus says, like cursing your brother, right? Calling him a fool, and you've already committed murder in your heart. Uh, you covet something, you really want something, you have a desire for something, it leads to covetous. So what do you do? It leads to disputes and conflicts. Trying to get something that you covet. Now, the next sentence really goes with, the, the, uh, with verse 3. You do not have because you don't, don't ask. If you want something, he, he says, well, you really should just ask for it. <laughs> just ask for it. But he says, when you do, but here though, in verse 3, what does he say in verse 3? You do ask, but you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You're asking out of your selfishness and out of your lust. You ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures, to satisfy your personal ambitions and desires. That's why you don't have. But he says, but, you know, he does indicate uh, you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, you should ask. But you really need to ask from the right motive right, if you want your prayers answered. Why aren't my prayers answered? Well, what, what's your motive in asking? So you don't actually get it, though. Yeah. I mean, you can ask, but you're not going to get what you want. Yeah. <laughs> prayers are, I, I make this point here, um, number seven. Our prayers are not answered because our hearts are not in tune with God's will. We often say, you know, if it be your will. Now, those are a lot of times when we're praying for somebody to get healed. If it be your will, raise them up from the sick. And we even say those words. Most likely. But what's written, but they shouldn't be just words. Part of prayer is learning to get yourself in tune with God's will, to pray, learn to pray in God's will, to, to have the mind of Christ, right? If you've got the mind of, it's what Paul says in Philippians, to have the mind of Christ, to think the way Jesus thought. And then you can have confidence that your prayers are going to be answered. Look at what 1 John 5, 14 says. This is the boldness that we have in him. If you really want to be bold in your prayer, praying, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But you've got to get, you've got to get in tune with God's will. How does God think? What does God want? 
visit entrustment.com backslash cost. And then you then you pray. Learning to be in tune with God, rather than ask, rather than saying, "I want to satisfy what I want, my carnal desires, the way I want things to be." If you're praying that way, you know. Yeah. You're not going to get what you asked for, are you? It's almost comes like a full circle because your will is lined up with God's will. God says He'll give you the desires of your heart. So once those meet, it's easier to pray because you know what God's will is. That's that's what the way Jesus prayed, wasn't it? He says, my, you know, my meat is to do the will of him who came to send me. That's the only thing I want to do is just do what God, my Father wants. That's why I'm here. That was his focus. That was his mindset. And, and if we live our lives that way, you know, what is God's will for me? What does he want out of me? Then your, your prayers uh, are in or reflective of what God is wanting. Well, uh, any other comments on these, on this uh, wisdom, wisdom from above, or wisdom that's earthly and demonic, and the causes of conflict and division, and the lack of how our prayers get answered or don't get answered. The next few verses talk about now uh, expands on this about friendship with the world. Uh, verse four. He, he addresses these people and he calls them, this version says, adulterers. Adulterers? Do you not know? Adulterers? What does your version say? It says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. <laughs> adulteresses. Yeah, adulteresses. That's well, a female. Actually, it is the feminine yeah, form. Right. The, uh, the Revised Standard Version just says adulterers. There is a footnote. Uh, there is a footnote that says uh, adulterous women, <laughs> and and it says that that some of the ancient manuscripts have adulterous men and women. <laughs> it has puts both of them in there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether. Do you think this verse applies to men? 
Yeah, it's a, yeah. His his says adulterers and adulteresses. Yeah, it says both adulterers and adulteresses. Oh, it does. It's yeah. both of them. Yeah. It's the yeah. King James. Yeah, yeah, King James. Yeah. Oh, okay. Adulterers. So that's and the King James. It must be based on some of those ancient, those particular manuscripts. They they uh, probably the, uh, the consensus of scholars today probably is though that it just was the feminine form that James wrote, actually wrote. <laughs> but why would, why, would, uh, why would some manuscripts have both adulterous men and women, women and men? Well, because in the early church, how would they were, if they were studying this text, would they say the question would arise, well, this only applies to women. It doesn't apply to us men, and they would, and and uh, the teachers would say, "Who's teaching? No, no, this is not just to women. This really means men too." Oh yeah, you know, friendship with God is enmity with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's don't just condemn the women here, who have who are become want to be friendly with the world, because that's what he's talking about, isn't it? Right. Um, he says, "Don't you know that friendship with God is enmity with, or friendship with the world is enmity with God?" God right. Well, does that apply to a man too? Sure. Yeah. So they said, "Let's make sure here that you men don't get off the hook." So we'll we'll just put in the text. This applies to you men too. <laughs> just in case you want to. <laughs> Like but, but James, somehow or other, he, he, he did put, use the feminine form. Uh, friendship with the world. Uh, the, uh, uh, John talks a lot about the world, doesn't he? And then... The world. That's really when he uses the word world. He's talking about the domain that's under the dominion of Satan, right? The kingdom of this world. That's the kingdom that is under the domain of Satan but is being or will be overthrown by the rule of Christ. But the world as we know it remains under the dominion of Satan, doesn't it? And, and to become a friend, to become allied with that, you become a traitor. You become an enemy of God. Here, here are kind of like two citizenships. Our citizenship is supposed to be in heaven. That's where our allegiance is. There is another kind of allegiance, allegiance to this world. And you're going to be a friend of this world. It's kind of like if our country is invaded, like Ukraine, you're invaded by the Russians. You're going to be friendly to the Russians. You're a traitor. Subject to arrest, right? So we'll uh, we'll get into that next week, I guess.